0: The From Day One podcast is brought to you by The Bridge. Visit us at thebridgebk.com.
1: Hi, I'm Nick Bailey, and this is the From Day One podcast. Today's guests are Jack and Scott Tatelman, founders of State Bags. State is a mission-based company that sells well-made, cool, classic bags, while using the power of their business to give back and shift social justice narratives. With every state, purchase a bag packed with essential supplies is given to a local child in need. Before founding State, Jack and Scott founded the Country Roads Foundation, a nonprofit organization that sends underprivileged kids from New York City to a week-long summer camp in the Poconos. Jack and Scott had noted that campers were arriving with their belongings in plastic bags, and that's where the idea of State was born. Since its founding in 2013, State has partnered with people ranging from The Honest Company to Beyoncé. Yes, that Beyoncé. They've launched work beyond their initial mission as well, including LGBTQ initiatives, and a program to empower Chicago's inner-city youth, as well as their "erase the R-word" video campaign. Jack and Scott are a husband and wife duo that live and work here in Brooklyn. Thanks so much for coming in.
0: Thank you for having us.
1: Thank you. So, since you're, you founded the Country Roads Foundation um, and that led to State, let's start. Let's start with Country Roads. You know that you guys started that in 2009. Is that right?
2: Yeah, we started it 10 years ago. We're going into our 10th summer, which is crazy. Um, just kind of a dream I had. I've been working in the nonprofit space here in New York. Was working in a lot of the city's toughest, most underfunded neighborhoods, um, and really, I was a camp guy. I am a camp guy, and I, you know, being in those neighborhoods really opened my eyes to the needs here in New York. I'm a Boston guy, um, so what were you doing in those neighborhoods? Like, what was what were you doing before that? So, I worked for an organization who uh, basically mobilized big corporations, like big banks, for their volunteer days. Um, And we put together big events, um, you know, in Harlem and Brooklyn and Bronx, all over the place, um, like service days. And the idea of it was to bring together kids who aren't often asked to serve because they don't necessarily come from a lot. And then for the people who actually do have those resources and do come from a lot to come in to one place and kind of put together service projects to support the community and others. And I, I really loved the idea of it. The execution sometimes wasn't—I wasn't in love with—but it motivated me to um, start my own nonprofit, Start Camp Power, um, which you know has just turned into an incredible phenomenon, and we're blown away by what's happened. But like you mentioned, the the theme of seeing kids carrying their stuff in trash bags during camp—you know, during the school year when we'd see them—was really the impetus and the motivation behind.
1: Us starting state bags. What was what were some of the first things you did when you started the nonprofit? Like, what were some of the? What's the first day like when you do a nonprofit? <laughs> oh man, I was a stress case. But um,
2: I was driving or taking the train back and forth to East New York pretty much every day. Um, I partnered with an organization, East New York and Brownsville, that was doing after school programming and summer school programming, um, and basically convincing them that this was going to be the best thing these kids would ever experience. And it was a tough sell because a lot of them had never left the confines of their own neighborhoods. Um, Some had never even left Brooklyn, which was crazy to me. Um, So it was a lot of, you know, convincing. It was a lot of figuring out the fundraising, the programming. I, I came to this organization in March of 2009 and I wanted to launch the program in August. So we didn't have much time. So it was, I put all my energy, all my time into building this and we started the first summer we had 68 kids, very reluctant, very freaked out, hesitant kids. Um, and now we have, you
1: know, 200 every summer with a long waiting list. And so it's really grown. It must be it must be hard to start a nonprofit. I mean, there's so many there's so many existing relationships, so many organizations that go back like tens or hundreds of years. Like how do you how do you start asking for donations when you've never done anything yet with 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 a nonprofit? I think, you know, my experience
2: was very much like kids oriented. Right. So I I worked full time for a summer camp in Maine. Um, we actually, I I helped launch a, a nonprofit camp with the Mark Wahlberg foundation and the boys and girls club in Boston. Um, so I had already got something off the ground that was extremely successful and, you know, had changed a lot of lives for kids in Dorchester and Roxbury. And, um, so I had photos and I had testimonials and I had proof that, of template like this could work, and that it could really open kids' eyes to, you know, what else is out there. So for me, it was really leveraging the uh, camp Northbound, which is the camp I started in Maine, um, to really propel Camp Power.
1: Gotcha. And so, at what point in the in the evolution of Camp Power did you guys start to think about the things that the, the ideas that became State?
2: Yeah, I mean, talk about the, the uh, sitting on the porch that night.
0: Oh, yeah. So um, one of the things that we do at Camp Power is we have a scholarship program. So 10 campers who really exemplify the meaning behind Camp Power, you know, really take the week to, um, you know, change and really like feel the whole magic that is camp power and really want to propel themselves forward throughout the school year and have a great attitude and are happy they um, the staff votes on those 10 deserving kids and so we do a scholarship trip Every year with those 10 campers. And after one of the scholarship trips where Scott and I were living in Boston, so the trip was there, and we were racing to the train station to get the kids back on the train. And one of the girls was running to the train, and she had a Dwayne Reed bag with holes in it. And all of her stuff was falling out of her Dwayne Reed bag, like her deodorant and her toothbrush. And I was newly pregnant at the time and I was like running after her and I'm like your stuff your stuff and so I ran to the back of our car and just grabbed a backpack and handed it to her and then later that night Scott and I were sitting on the porch of our home and I was like Scott like we have to do more like we have to you know do something that's going to not only give these kids something that they would want to take their possessions that they're carrying for a weekend away from home or a week away from home. Those are their most prized things, the th- their blankets, their, their lockets, whatever it might be that are special to them. They're putting it in these plastic bags, and we need to give them something to put their things in that's going to make them feel like it's theirs and, and you know, it's like a safety net for them. We have to do something more. Um and so we really thought about it and we were like let's start this business that's you know not only giving them a material thing because we know that it means it means something to them to get this this product, this, you know, tangible thing for them to carry their belongings in. But there's so much more to what state does when we actually give them the bags, um, you know, which comes with a lot of powerful messaging and role models and, you know, a dance party and, you know, just the ability to take one hour out of their lives and be kids, which also very much resembles what Camp Power is. Um, So, it was, you know, the idea that we could, you know, sell a product and give a product, but also a lot of the, what that conversation was on the porch was about how do we do it different, um, and how do we serve these local kids.
1: You had, you had, um, you had some background in fashion at that point already, right? Oh yeah. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about that.
0: I always say that I was born in a rack of clothing. My mother had a clothing store in the basement of my house when I was a kid, um, and so and my father had a bunch of leather stores around the city. Um, so I really grew up in that lifestyle. Which of, city,
1: Boston or New York? Um,
0: New York? In New York, I'm a New Yorker. He's the Boston guy, but I'm a Bo- <laughs> I'm a Boston sports fan before I met him. So <laughs> don't
2: hate us because you ain't us.
0: <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I um, I grew up in that lifestyle of just, you know, loving fashion, loving clothing and creating. So I worked for a bunch of different retail stores. I was um, at Bendel's where I started doing product development for the hair accessories. And that's kind of where I got like a taste of product development and creating something really fun that then would be seen on different celebrities and all that stuff. And I got really excited about that idea. Um, and then I worked at Saks where I did product development for the – you know, bridge floor and doing all the proprietary bl- brands and the knitwear collection, coming up with the color palettes, different bodies and all that stuff. And I like really fell in love with creating. But I wasn't initially going to do state with Scott. It was going to be his thing. But I sort of walked she into this meeting, meeting and they were like, you have to do it with him. And I yeah. was like, OK. <laughs> so,
1: so when you when you start, you know, when you're a couple and you start a, a project like that, um you know, there's a division of labor that's gotta happen. Like how do you how do you how do you jump headfirst into something but make sure that everybody knows what they're doing and you know, that must be challenging, right? We well, we didn't at first. We were all over the place. I mean, we, we're very open about
2: the fact that we had no idea what we were doing. We just were really passionate about taking the one for one model and adapting it to kids here in the US. Um Jacqueline, like she said, had an extensive fashion background. She's so incredibly talented in that world and you know mine and the nonprofit, so we had we had this like kind of perfect yin yang for this particular business but honestly n- had never started anything other than a nonprofit before so um we were overlapping a lot in the beginning and for our business and for our marriage <laughs> and for our kids everything not a great fit um or, or not a great dynamic so we really worked to set up those parameters and to set up the divisions of labor and to, to tap into our strengths. So now my role is strictly, you know, figuring out how to evolve our, our mission and our giving initiatives and our, you know, charitable endeavors and all that stuff. And um, helping a little bit with marketing here and there. And Jacqueline is, she's our creative director. She's product. She's anything that touches creative is her. So like, we definitely like are in a couple meetings together and we share, you know, we share a big office obviously with our team, but it's become a big priority of ours to make sure that like at the end of the day we could be like, so what happened today? And like for it to be a genuine question and yeah. not like right. sarcastic, <laughs> yeah. um, which it was in the beginning. It was like we were on top of each other Yeah, it
0: was like you again
1: yeah and so we needed to figure that out so it's a good question though so when you started the company how what was you know how did the beginning of it differ from what you'd expected like what were some of the initial uh, was the initial trajectory for you guys
0: oh my god It's such a loaded question. The business looks totally different than it did when we first launched. When we first launched, we were like, the mission is going to sell these bags. You know, we came out with three styles of cotton canvas bags, felt like there was a void in the marketplace for something super simple and easy. Um, So we went after that thinking that the mission would really, you know, um, would sell the bags. And we quickly learned, not only were we plagued with production issues, but we also learned very quickly that for people to take out their hard-earned money and spend on a product, it has to be great. Um, it can't just be, oh, it's a one-for-one. One. Well, that's nice. I hope someone else buys the bag. When it's sitting next to some of our competitors who have been doing it for a like, really long time, they have to have that proper utility and look and you know function to really get somebody to make the purchase. And so we, we learned that pretty fast. And we weren't afraid to change. And we weren't afraid to pivot and pull back, rebrand, do the whole thing. So um, the early days were definitely <laughs> pretty intense.
1: It's been said that for, you know, there's a lot of companies now, it's certainly become a movement um, that have a mission in in addition to, um, you know, in addition to a, like a physical product or something that you can, you can touch and, and hold. Um, you know, it's been said that for consumers, you know, often there's a lot of, there's a lot of information to process there, you know, like, and, and it's been said that in, in marketing, you've got to, you got to first convince people that they want it. That's going to make their life better. And that it's just like something that they want to have. It's fashionable. It's It's useful. It's tasty. If it's, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then also at the same time, you've got to convince them that it's, that it's positive and that it says something about them and that it also, uh, that it will have a positive effect that maybe they won't be able to see themselves, but that they trust. Um, and that it sort of happens in that order. Do, do you feel like that's true? Is that, is that a correct uh, you know, assessment? I do.
2: I mean, speaking to what Jack just talked about, I think we learned really quickly that, um, Product is everything, and the look is everything, and the price is everything, and the messaging of it is everything. Um, just like the overall all of it but that's a lot of everything. Right? Yeah, but it's <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's it, it it is definitely you know. First of all, we're talking about backpacks and bags. You know, there it's 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 a dinosaur product. It's been around for centuries. You know, um, we're certainly not reinventing the wheel. But there is a surge in the category that we are working in because people want to be hands-free, so they can be on their phones. They want to be able to go to the gym before or after work and then w- walk into work and not feel like they're carrying this, you know, giant North Face, or not to mention another brand, which is a wonderful brand. But you know, to um, not walk in with this, you know, giant backpack with bells and whistles all over it. And you know, I think what we're trying to say is that you know, the backpack is not just for kids. It can be cool. It can be interesting. It can be Colorful, but still tasteful, sophisticated, um, and have great utility. We're trying to show all of those things. I think the give is a huge part of who are who we are, and we're doing it whether or not we're selling bags. It's our DNA. We were selling, we were giving before we were even selling. So that's just gonna happen regardless of whether or not you know everyone who sees a state bag makes the purchase but I think because product does have to come first that's essentially what we're saying is that look at this brand you know it is not your typical backpack it is definitely more fashion it is more your off-duty style it's not that precious but it looks good and again it functions and it's of great quality so yes come to us and 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 buy a bag or a backpack from us um, because then at the end of the day while you're looking good you're also doing good
1: do you think that there's a like a generational shift going on do you think that that you know I think when, when this when this business model started I mean people often point to Tom's there's a couple other examples Patagonia is a good example mm. um, of, of companies that that had like mission like like woven right in from the from the first day um, from day one you could say is do you think it's possible that that's just gonna be what everybody does in the future that there's gonna be no distinction um, or do you guys think that you're still like in a special kind of category
0: I think that there's a misconception of how hard it is. It is not easy to do what we're doing. You know, a lot of people who have come to us and been like, "You should just drop the give, and you'll be more profitable, or you'll get to profitability faster, or you'll, you know, you're going to make more this year if you drop the give, or if you just donate a, a portion of proceeds, or all of those things." But even so, everything hits the bottom line, and when you're just getting started, it's extremely hard to maintain and to keep up because there are bigger brands out there that have more money; they can put more money into advertising, more money into marketing, and. And, you know, you can get left behind if you don't really, you know, if you're not strategic about it. Um, So I think that we hope that more people do this because it's important for society. It's important for consumers to, to think about their purchases and not just buy anything, but to really buy things that make a difference. But I think the misconception is that it's easy to do and it is really hard.
2: Yeah, I think there's definitely a wave happening. I mean, you see what's going on with the March for Our Lives and, you know, all these things that are generated by the youth, um, which is incredible, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable to witness this moment. Um, I think what's happening is a lot of those passionate feelings and drive are carrying over into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people like younger consumers and even the older generations too are getting really interested in supporting brands that you know speak to something bigger But at the same time, they're getting very savvy in that like there are some brands that are doing it like really genuinely and doing it with like a true purpose of like making sure it truly impacts people um, who could support who could use the support as opposed to just like brands that are doing it because it's popular. Um, And I think that consumers are getting pretty smart about that.
1: I heard that your partnership with Beyonce started with a phone call um, <laughs> that asked you to come to like a mysterious office um, for a meeting that you hadn't prepared for at all. Is that is that true? You want, you want this one? <laughs> I
0: mean, totally.
1: This is one of our favorite Yeah, stories. this is one of the best Strap stories. Strap
0: in. Yeah. I mean, Scott is famous for being a gentle stalker. So we did have a little bit of history with Jay-Z's world. Um, they had written about State in the early days on his Life and Times blog. So Scott had done some really great gentle stalking for the first, what? like year and a half, two years of our business. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, we get this call from one of Jay-Z's people like, we have an amazing opportunity for you. Meet us here tomorrow. And we're like, that's not where we went last time. Where are we going? So we walk into this beautiful penthouse um, office in in like the Garmin area. And
2: but to be clear, it was Jay-Z's people that reached out. Yeah, it was Jay-Z's right? people
0: who reached yeah. out. Totally. So we're, we get put into this office and we sit down and there's like Grammys all over the wall and blow pop on the table and it's like decorated beautiful we knew nobody and then people walked in the room and they were like so let's get started and they were like starting to talk to us yes can you sign the nda and we were like yeah we're like we'll 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 sign the nda but where are we
2: (laughs) 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 and they're like you don't know where and i'm like stealing blow pops i'm
0: still i'm so pregnant i'm like literally pocketing blow pops (laughs) and like and then they and then they were like you're, you don't know where you are? And we were like, no. And we were so shocked. And they were like, you're in Beyonce's office. And we were like, what? <laughs> and I was like, can I just like go under the table for a minute and do some sort of really crazy dance and scream and then come back up and be professional again?
2: We spent the entire day there. The, the idea was that they were going on their On the Run tour, the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, they hadn't announced it to the public yet. They were going to do this big initiative where for um, every city that they hit... Uh, a portion of the ticket sales were going to go towards, um, backpacks for kids. Like if they sold 50,000 tickets in Dallas, we'd be giving 50,000 backpacks in Dallas. So like it looked up around like half a million bags. It was like insane.
0: And the coolest um, part was that we knew we were signing the NDA because we knew about the on the run tour before right, everybody else right. did. So we would like <laughs> talk about it at home. Like, Oh, you going to the on the run tour?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it didn't pan out because the numbers got crazy for you know them and our manufacturers were running around in circles trying to possibly make it work. Um, but the good news is it didn't work out with the initial plan, but um, they really loved what we could have brought to it. And like three weeks later after Jacqueline and I got the news that it wasn't going to work and we literally didn't talk to each other for three <laughs> weeks because we were so devastated, uh, Beyonce's team resurfaced and said, We love you guys. We really want to do something around back to school. Beyonce is really interested in hitting these six cities and um, we want to do it with you. And we were like, here we go. So, you guys, there was an event that happened in Brooklyn, right? Yes. Yeah. On on the first day of school. Wow. Tell us about it. Oh, it was awesome. Um, uh, Three years ago, four years ago, I don't even remember. Um, September 4th. we, we, We hit six cities down the East Coast and we kind of, it culminated in this backdrop drop event, which is when we, we bring our Pac-Men and women and we have DJs and it's a whole experience for the kids. They literally, an entire student body walked into their first day of school on September 4th. Um, and they went directly into the auditorium for like a surprise event. There was police presence there. Everybody thought she was coming. Everybody thought the mayor was coming. It was like a circus. Um, and we did what we do, which is like, just blow these kids minds and get them laughing, get them dancing get them thinking and inspired to like, on such a great day to like begin this new journey of their, you know, first day of school with a new backpack. Um, and a bunch of her team was there and it was just like what we started this business for, you know, it was like day one of school and just prepping these kids and getting them so inspired and excited. And it just, um, it felt great. It, it really did. We did it on her birthday in hopes that she might come, and then we found out that she was in Paris with Jay Z. <laughs> but you know, it shows you how has an active life, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but it was definitely one of the more memorable days at state for sure. It was beautiful.
1: But that that experience that you had, you know, that where you present um, the bags to kids. Is that something that you do all the time? That's not something that just happens with her, right? Tell us about, is that the normal way that a, a student gets the bag from you guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, from day one, we always said we weren't just gonna show up and hand out backpacks. You know, like we, we work with these kids. We're in these communities. We know that just like giving stuff away is not gonna change a life. Um, so it's about coming with an experience and role models. And so we do these bag drop, we call them bag drop rallies. Um, we've done them across the country literally um all the way to the west coast and um with a bunch of different partners and what we do is it's like a 60-minute educational workshop mixed with a dance party mixed with a motivational rally um and our pac-men and women are child development specialists that have grown up in very similar situations as the kids we serve so growing up in brownsville in east new york and they speak to their experiences of successfully rising from these communities Um, so the point of it is to really like get these kids thinking about how they can beat the odds that are so often stacked up against them. Um, after all that happens and there's music and there's, you know, dancing and there's games and there's all that stuff and there's inspiring conversation, um, it culminates in them getting a new bag that we then stuff with donated supplies, you know, healthy snacks, socks, school supplies, whatever it may be. Um. You know, I'm really proud of the fact that like we we've never left a site from a bag drop event where the principal, the partners, the teachers, the students haven't said that was the best thing that's ever happened at our school or our organization. Um, you know, we just we're really bent on like coming with a message and not just stuff.
1: What about the other side of the business? How do you guys grow? Um, you know, the sales side of the business.
0: We have a pretty robust wholesale business right now, which is really good. Um, We're in Bloomingdale's Nordstrom. We're on Shop-Up. We're in Barney's Kids. Um, So that has definitely been great for us, because initially when we set out, we were going to be an e-commerce, you know, digitally native business. Um, But with backpacks, we felt like, at least in the beginning, we needed to get out there for people to really touch the bags, interact with them, put their stuff in it, see what fits. Um, And since we you know, focus so much on using different kinds of materials and unique color combinations, it really is important for people to see the bags in person. So we do have a a nice strong wholesale business. And then we're also, you know, heavily investing in our digital side um, and doing a lot of digital marketing and, you know, investing in Facebook and Instagram and, you know, all all the other influencer stuff that everyone else is doing. But I think that, you know, what happens with our bags is more that they catch people's eyes. Is, you know, just like by seeing them, people are always asking me, "Oh, what's that backpack you're wearing? I really like it." And I'm like, "Oh, it's state." Um, you know, I try not to. Really, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I never wear state. Um, so, yeah, I think that people, you know, are intrigued by the look of the bags. And I and I and I we get emails all day about people being like, I saw someone on the subway or on the, you know, riding by on a bike that was wearing a black mesh backpack, but I don't see it on your site anymore. Well, you know, that and so we know that that's kind of one of the ways that it's working as well, but definitely doing all the, all the stuff.
1: How do you get started doing something like that? How do you I mean, I know you had a background working with some retailers, but you know lots of people design fashion but not everybody gets into bloomingdale's like how does that process work
0: i think in the beginning it was a lot of you know people being intrigued by the mission um and and that was really unique for us to to see that we were approached by urban outfitters very early on too where they were like we love the mission of your company can you send us some samples of your bags and that's when we were in the middle of our rebrand and we were kind of like oh god what do we send them (laughs) we, we wanted you know put our best foot forward um, so they initially came to us and then and originally Nordstrom had come to us as well um, and we were we started in the men's uh, division and then m- moved into women's but um I think that Again, like people were intrigued about the mission at that that point in time, and also just the look of our brand. I think it was, at that point, again, not necessarily the product, which we were very hesitant because we were like, no, 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 we need to put our best foot forward, and we need to have the best product out there. We're not totally ready for that, but our brand has always looked different, and again, with the mission, I think that it was just interesting to those buyers.
2: I think partnerships, too, have been a huge play for us. Um, Not necessarily, From a sales perspective like you know when we launched the beyonce thing and our website didn't crash with sale it wasn't like that it was more that it opened the eyes to retailers like urban nordstrom and others and you know then we worked with the honest company and jessica alba and president obama's my brother's keeper initiative and rock nation and chance the rapper last summer so like those types of partnerships and moments have attracted a lot of press, which in turn attracts buyers and different types of business, which has really been great for
1: us. Speaking, speaking of partners, you know, I'd love to hear some more about the initiatives that we talked about at the beginning, um, you know, the project in Chicago, um, some of the other things you guys have done. What, what else have you worked on? Yeah.
2: So, you know, we've always said from the start, we're not just going to be another one for one um and as time has gone on and the world has changed uh, you know we've realized that we need to use our platform to talk about more than just product and to do more than just donate product um so we recently launched something called the what do we tell the kids initiative um mostly because you know we're parents um and we've worked with kids our whole lives and this business was started on the idea of supporting kids And a lot of the rhetoric and a lot of just the narratives out there right now are really harmful towards the next generation. Like, what are we telling the kids about things like Black Lives Matter, um, things like gun violence, things like harmful language around LGBTQ and mental and physical disabilities, um, things like mass incarceration? Um, So that's really where I've put a lot of my effort in is making sure that those narratives around You know, things like Black Lives Matter. Like, you know, for instance, this whole thing started because I started hearing a lot of kids at camp asking their counselors about Black Lives Matter. And like kids from Brownsville, East New York, and the Bronx saying, Why don't I matter? Like, did I ever matter? And like, my teacher told me to do this when I'm approached by a police officer, but I saw on the news that they did that and then they ended up being shot and killed. So, like, what do I do? And I saw these educators, like professionals, being like, I don't know what to say anymore. Like I don't, I'm trying my best to like protect these kids, but like I am at a loss. Um, and I just felt that those stories should be told. So we did kind of a risky thing and put together this project and pushed it out through our Instagram handles and, you know, sent an email and put it on our website and said like, you know, this is a, this is a something that we need to stand for and we need to push through. And, um, you know, as, as, The world has gotten a little bit testier. I think it's really important for everybody to step back and say, you know, what are we telling the kids? Like this next generation is the future and if they are being brought up with feelings of hate and feelings of, you know, or a lack of understanding towards other people, we're in trouble. Um, So it's really just about shedding light and sharing stories and to build compassion and, you know, as best we can what's next for you guys well I'm excited just you know tying off that I'm excited about um, our next what do we tell the kids program which is about mass incarceration and its impact on kids and families and communities something that's been crippling this country for decades now especially neighborhoods that are often overlooked and underfunded so we're putting together a project with an organization called echoes of incarceration where all their members have incarcerated family members and they basically just dedicate their whole platform and efforts towards shedding light on how this issue is really, you know, hurting a lot of kids. So we're going to push that out in a beautiful way and tell their stories. And then we, in turn, we're going to donate thousands of bags to organizations that support kids affected by mass incarceration. So it's kind of a multi-layered approach. That's That's from a mission perspective. And we have a lot more down the road as well.
0: And from a product perspective, it is going to be to continue to make these incredible products to support that. Um, You know, we're not just backpacks. We are we have a range of different kinds of bags. We believe that we make the best tote, the best messenger bag, and also, of course, the best fanny pack, because you can't leave home without your fanny pack these days. Um, So continue to watch what we're doing, because, again, you know, it's it's it's. Bags and backpacks, but they are definitely unique and special and they do support all of the great that we're doing.
1: Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for, thanks having, for us. having us. You've been listening to From Day One, how Brooklyn entrepreneurs got their start. This series is made possible by The Bridge, a news site dedicated to reporting on business in Brooklyn. With help from Complex Ventures, a Brooklyn-based digital agency working with more than profit companies and organizations. For more from The Bridge, to learn more about today's guest, Or to listen to more episodes of From Day One, visit us at TheBridgeBK.com. That's T-H-E-B-R-I-D-G-E-B-K.com. From Day One is produced by Cora Feeder, Steve Kep, and myself, Nick Bailey. Audio editing and post-production by Steph Derwin. Our theme music was performed by Jody Rockwell and the Ambulamps. And our founding sponsor was the Made in New York Media Center. Thanks for listening.